All right. Well, welcome to Cyber Coast to Coast. I am your host from the East Coast, Scott Schober. I am joined by my brother and partner, Craig Schober, on the West Coast. How's it going there, Craig? Hey, Scott and everyone listening. This is Craig here on coming from Long Beach on the West Coast. Uh, things are good. It's uh, sunny and 80 degrees, as always. All right. Well, I, I can't say the same for beautiful Metuchen, New Jersey, East Coast. It's like a hundred plus outside and the humidity is ready to kill you. Um, everybody's complaining how hot it is. So the ACs are running and hemorrhaging mm-hmm. and humidity level is unbearable. So um, it's a little bit challenging, but uh, at least we're staying nice and cool inside so far. Um, well, again, great episode today. Look forward to diving into. We've got three great stories, but first I just want to take one moment to, to thank our sponsor, Dark Kryptonite. Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. You can learn more about Dark Kryptonite just by going to their website darkkryptonite.com and kryptonite spelled with a c so I encourage you to take a look at some of their interesting stuff there hey we've got three great stories that we're going to dive into shortly craig the first one coming from bleeping computer uh, building materials giant nauf german company there is hit by black Basta ransomware gang so we'll find out a little bit more about that ransomware attack what was compromised a second story is coming from the Hacker News. Unpatched GPS tracker bug could let attackers disrupt vehicles remotely. And this is not just a random vehicle or heat two here. We're talking about potentially 1.5 million vehicles around the world. So this is a scary story and we want to really dig into that and uh, get some thoughts uh, shared with our, with our listeners. And then finally, a third story is Russian hackers trick Ukrainians with fake DOS Android apps to target Russia. So this is really talking about a a denial of service, uh, distributed denial of service attack. And we're going to learn about that and see again how that's weaved into this whole mess over there with the Ukraine-Russia conflict war that's going on and how cybersecurity keeps coming into the picture. But, you know, before we dive into these three stories, there's a cyber tip of the week we want to just briefly touch on so our listeners can kind of walk away with something to st- get armed and stay safe and and that's a to beware of the paypal crypto scam and you know craig we were talking the other day and you were sharing some of the challenges i think you and kelly have been facing with some things on, on using paypal and such i was mm-hmm. wondering maybe you want to just share this the cyber tip of the week with our with our listeners uh yeah uh usually we i guess offer more general tips um uh, but this one is more of a specific targeting thing that I noticed uh, that I I, per- I noticed because I was personally sort of targeted. And then I did some little bit more Google research on it and found that a lot of other people were experiencing it. Um, but of course, it, within this uh, you know specific tip, we'll have our more general tips that as we always do. Uh, but essentially, it's uh, cashing in on the crypto you know, craze, uh, specifically bit Bitcoin, at least the one I received uh, was. And what it is, is um, a- an email from, uh, well, it had a specific name tied to the email address, didn't know this person, never heard of them. But it, it came over as a service at paypal.com. And 
what it essentially looks like, what it in fact almost is, is uh, one of those invoices that you get. I don't know if, if you do business for um, in PayPal, but you can send and receive invoices to, you know, in anticipation to get paid or, you know, that kind of thing. And this actually came over to our company, uh, PayPal, which is interesting because we've been, as I, I've, as I've been um, kind of relaying to you and the audience over the past couple of weeks, we've been getting all kinds of scams because uh, we're in the middle of a move. Uh, but those are, you know, those are to my personal accounts and to my phone and everything. And this came over to, to the BV Systems PayPal account. And essentially it's a, it says this person sent you an estimate for $750, you know, USD. So there's US dollars, but then the note on the bottom says, it's a Bitcoin purchase of $750 and it was successful. And then it says, in case you haven't done this transaction. So there's a grammar thing right there. It's a little clue <laughs> in case you haven't done this transaction and need a refund immediately call us at, and they give a phone number. Uh, I won't give it out just in case I don't want anyone calling it, but, and I haven't called it yet. I'm really curious to call it, but I'm afraid I don't want to get put on a list, you know, and then having them, then they're going to, then suddenly I'm, you know, it's free game and everyone in the world is going to call me all these spammers because I'm sure they, you know, they share all these things. But anyway, um, in this, um, it's a graphic and it, uh, it's a it's PayPal kind of template. So it's set up looks identical to a PayPal invoice you would receive. Um, and in the bit in the middle there, they have a they have a big button that says view, view your estimate. So I said, what the heck? Let me see. I was just um let me see what it tries to do. And obviously, if it tries to take me to a fishy site, I'll bail. And if it tries to, you know, get me to download something, I'm not going to do it. And so I, I clicked on it just to see what it would do. And it takes me, it actually takes me to PayPal's site. And I double checked this because after it did this, I closed my browser, opened it again, logged into my own PayPal account you know, the, the proper way, and then went back and clicked the button again. And sure enough, it took me to actual, our actual PayPal account. So it's not trying, it's not a phishing attack in that it's trying to redirect me to someone else's site to collect my credentials. It's just taking me to PayPal. And then everything I'm on the PayPal site seems almost legitimate. I mean, it's, it's this whole invoice saying, do you accept the estimate or do you want to request changes in this estimate and it's not it's not clear the estimate because the note that they sent it really didn't give any details on what their scam was or what they're talking about but as far as i'm concerned anyone that tries to send you or ask for ask for bitcoin anonymously it's a scam right there i don't because i don't yeah. i don't i don't associate with those people and i don't personally trade bitcoin so right there your you know your radar goes up and you know something's not right and that, but I, but I, but I'm so curious about these scams that I had to go one uh, kind of step further. And since I knew I was already logged into my PayPal, I said, well, it can't do any harm just to see what happens if I try to accept this weird, you know, this Bitcoin thing. So I, I click accept the estimate and a pop-up appears uh, that says sender will be notified when you accept the estimate. And, and just below there's a little note area, a little note field. It says note to business. And I guess you're you're supposed to type in I accept or I you owe me more money or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. their deal is. But when I type, I see it's like something was wrong with the 
I, I don't know if this is a PayPal thing or what's going on exactly, but it's and it's just blank characters. You know, I'm just typing, you know, garbled yep. junk. And it's like blank characters. Kind of reminds me of the keylogger or something. I mean, it could be, but of course, I'm not typing anything useful to them. So I don't really understand why they would want a lot. I don't, you know, why they would want to capture these keystrokes. Um, and then there's this, there's a send button below there, but I haven't gotten the nerve up to to go further and, and click on the send, just like I haven't gotten the nerve yet to call that number. But I am I'm very curious. So I, I wish I had a burner phone, you know, for these type of things. And I just like burner yeah. phone, just start calling these right. fake numbers all day, <laughs> record their stupid things, or maybe a live person would answer. Like I record the, that conversation. That would be fun. But you know, maybe maybe for another time. I'll send it, but I I looked out on the on the web and saw that uh, a lot of people are are receiving very similar things, these PayPal things. So the first thing I did was report it to PayPal. If you do, um, you just take the email that you get that's suspicious, forward that to spoof at paypal.com. Then they go through all their systems and check for uh, similar scams. And they got right back to me and said, um, thanks for your request. We're going to get back to you with uh you know our verdict on whether this is legitimate or not and usually they take about 48 hours so i'm still waiting to hear back from that um but in the meantime i looked on google and saw that many other people were getting these from um paypal and uh in most cases actually they were which makes sense they were uh requests for crypto or requests for dollars to be turned into crypto or you know kind of like hey for this small inve investment you can get on board especially now you know crypto is kind of tanked the price so everyone's saying oh if i buy low i'll, I'll sell high you know in the future um so that's the usual scam there um but for me anything crypto is is kind of uh, falls under this the scam category uh but but in this case, they, you know, they sent me, they, they claim to send me money in exchange for crypto or something. It's still not even clear what they, what they wanted, but uh, you know, that's also another indicator. Anytime anyone claims to give you money, whether it's someone over the phone or through a text or whatever, they say, Hey, if you, you know, if this will save us both money or, you know, I'll send you this money and then I'll reimburse you. And then they never reimburse you, of course. And, you know, those types of things. So that immediately is a red flag too. whenever anyone out of the blue that you don't know very well or don't know at all wants to give you money that you didn't earn or deserve or even ask for. That's that's a red flag, of course. So definitely, definitely. You know, I, I mean, I think you, you did the right thing, though, because even though curiosity made you want to maybe call or, or whatever you reached out to paypal to report it you did a quick search on google to see if anybody else has scams or things similar to like that where they were scammed and i find that nine out of ten times um it's kind of like you, you look and see what other people are dealing with and if you see that other people have reported similar things caution goes up right away and, and two of them like you anything where, where it mentions crypto i kind of back off and say it's got it, it puts it up on the scale 10 times more likely it's tied to some type of a scam. Mm -hmm. So you really have to have your antennas up to be extra careful with anything where stuff is with crypto. And I, I wonder sometimes with scams like that, even if it's not as clear what they're trying to get you to do, almost like we're going to pay you money. And at some point you're going to say, Hey, I didn't get the funds. And then they say, Oh, well, you know, take a picture of your check or your account number. Let me verify it. And maybe I have the wrong account number. Something where where they apologize. It looks like it's their fault. You correct them with the legitimate 
information that they need so they can now compromise your account. So mm-hmm. I think it's just, uh, um, it's all scamish the way it sounds to me. So I think you did the right things, at least in this, in this case with this one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one day, like I said, maybe one day I'll set up a, uh, you know, I'll go through the the tour browser, set up a VPN, get a burner phone, you know, do, do everything Have the right fun. way. Yeah. And then just kind of follow these things through and see how far they'll take me and see just what they're willing to, you know, put up with from me and what I'm willing to put up with from them. And, you know, just kind of that that weird back and forth. Yeah. It sounds like actually we have the makings of a kind of an interesting reality video show, scam the scammers Mm -hmm. where we fund a small account and start seeing how far people will go to, to scam us or something. It might be interesting, create a couple fun aliases and yeah. fake accounts and burner phones and record the whole thing step-by-step step and then edit it out and then share with an audience. Here's how far people will go with a scam. So it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, let's get right into our stories there. Um, but thanks for sharing that cyber tip of the week to beware of PayPal crypto scams. And as a reminder that our sponsor, we would like to thank you and encourage our listeners to, to go visit them. Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. You can learn more by visiting their website, darkkryptonite.com. And Kryptonite is spelled with a C. Well, that first story that we introduced before comes again from Bleeping Computer, uh, building materials giant Nauf was hit by Blackbuster ransomware gang. Um, this is an, a, certainly an interesting story. And in fact, this one was the, um, the CyberWire headline of today that I reported on earlier. If you go to uh, uh, Cybercrime Radio, uh, you, you'll hear this, the headlines on this that, that streamed today, which is kind of interesting. But uh, this breach was so... Uh, so uh, effective, I guess, it caused the company to actually shut down their IT systems because they were afraid that there would be even further damage. And uh, th- that's always concerning when you really are not sure where you are in the course of a cyber breach. And, and even though we may not have heard of NAUF or the NAUF group, they're, they're located in Germany, it's actually the world's largest drywall producer. And they're claimed to have 81% global market share. Um, and, and it's not just in Germany, it, it's a global company and they're very active right here in the U S. So basically <clears throat> this company will affect everybody when they're compromised and hacked. And already the, the housing market is taking a hit with rising interest rates, um, suppliers, logistics, cost of building material here throughout the United States have skyrocketed. When you couple all of those things, and now you've got the world's largest drywall producer that that was just hit with a, a cyber attack. It could start causing a lot of problems. The ripple effect is the unknown, and that's what we may see. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this was a, a ransomware attack where Black Basta has taken responsibility for it. And, and that hacking group there said they have stolen authentic data, including emails, customer ID numbers employee information, production information, the list goes on and on. And, and they further said that they're going to publish part of the documents on their website. And uh, there's more stolen documents 
that uh, are there as well that they have. So there's lots of information that the personal information and company-wide information that they could try to use to their advantage. Uh, the, the report goes on there toward the end of Bleeping Computer that Black Vasta ransomware group's been one of the most active hacker groups recently. And they all seem to do that. They have a, a period of time where you hear about a particular ransomware group and they hit 10 or 20 things and they're in the headlines for a few weeks and eventually they move on, change their name or get caught mm-hmm. and start up another empire somewhere else. So that's constantly the way that the, these criminal uh, organized crime gangs are working. And it's very, very uh, concerning, I think. Yeah, these guys, they seem to hit high profile targets. Now, NAF isn't high profile to you know regular users, but like you said, they occupy such a big space. Uh, this company occupies such a big space in uh, construction, you know, circles and and those things, just because they have such a large market share in in uh, sheetrock and all those things. So they have tons of customers, including uh, you know these third party vendors and all that kind of stuff. A lot of uh, I'm sure banking information, transactional information that goes back and forth. And uh, if you look down further in the in this bleeping article uh, bleeping computer article they even mentioned that uh back in april this uh black basta group um targeted the american dental association they got a ton of records out of there so they uh i guess they're not looking for for small targets they're not hitting individuals they're looking for big targets with a lot of members a lot of a lot of data points um, because, and, and they're, and they're serious about it. You know, they're kind of serious as a ransomware, as a service, you know, per, per, mm-hmm. per, you know, providers, if, if that's what you want to call them that, um, so, uh, they have a, yeah, they have an operation and, um, uh, like you said, uh, it seems the, the pattern with groups like these seems to be a lot of high, high profile targets in a short period of time. And then they either go underground because they're trying to play it safe or they change their name and stay above ground and, and keep targeting or they just, you know, get caught. They, they get, you know, they get some of their members get caught. They get spooked and they shut down operations until they could figure out how to uh, make a comeback without getting caught, you know, right away. Mm. It's a really powerful, powerful story. And, and again, the effects are unbelievable. They're great. Well, let's jump into to our uh, our next story. There, unpatched GPS tracker bugs could let attackers disrupt vehicles remotely. Now, when I first uh, was going through this story, and this is again coming from the Hacker News, I kind of had to cross and look at a couple other sources that talked about it because they had a, a couple strong headlines in here. But I got a little confused. I don't know about if you did also. Trying to understand, was this a a physical GPS tracker that is affixed to a car if you're a person trying to track an individual versus maybe an app on a phone or something else? Did you get that sense a little bit? It was a little confusing the story. Yeah, I I wasn't. I I took it to be kind of like an OnStar thing or or uh, what's it, what's it called? Lojack or, you know, something like that. Either it's a, either it's a service or a security thing that was kind of hacked. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it wasn't, or not hacked, but uh, you know, the there's security, security vulnerabilities because of this, you know, they give a, 
um, Mikodas MV720. Hey, I, no one knows who that is, um, except for the actual, uh, you know, even the customers that use those don't know know what that is. You know, only may, I guess the car manufacturers might know, but mostly the service providers that incorporate these uh, GPS receivers into their um, into their services, uh, they're going to know that that kind of part number and stuff. So yeah, there's a there's definitely a disconnect between. Uh, the actual hack and who and what is specifically being affected in this case. Yeah. And I think, I guess as I jumped from different uh, articles to get a little bit more background, it helped me to appreciate it a little bit more. And I think it's really tied more toward um, fleet vehicles and tracking of that, of that sort. It just seemed, and, and that's where maybe more mm-hmm. the vulnerabilities pose more of a threat. Cause some of the stories, like if you went to, Gizmodo or whatever, the, the, the title starts out life-threatening. You need to stop using this car GPS system right now because um, they could cut the fuel to a car and stop your car in the tracks. And, and they also then tend to point out and focus more and more on it's a, um, a Chinese company that makes this GPS tracker and, and mm-hmm. they can do all kinds of tricks and all kinds of flaws with the bugs that have been identified there. Although all this being said, I don't think there was any actual uh, reported uh, hacks or specific things. I think it was more, again, researchers looking at this, identifying the weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Hmm. Um, and, and it's and it's low cost. It says these little GPS trackers, they're made in China. They sell for about 20 bucks. It's not, not an expensive piece of hardware that, that we're talking about here. But, and again, it is used uh, globally, but 1.5 million vehicles that are using it every day. And, and even CISA um, got on board warning that the bug in there could potentially leave drivers susceptible to different types of remote access and control hacks and things of that sort. So, mm-hmm. um, don't know. Yeah. yeah. This, this reminds me. Yeah. And the, this reminds me of the, um, the ZTE and Huawei and, uh you know those the telecommunications um modules and and routers and relays and you know the warnings about those because you have the u.s government kind of going after them um for no specific reason they never really disclose what the problem is they just it's kind of like i mean in this case you have a you have a specific vulnerability that was disclosed but you don't have anyone complaining about being hacked you don't have any threats that they were hacked you don't have any ransoms threats you don't have any any detected violations all you have is this kind of like weak code and then and you have the fact that it's coming from china and show and so you instantly have an american kind of cybersecurity organization in this case it's the what was it? The CISA, the the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Mm-hmm. So you have them raising the flag, which is good. They're doing their job, but it's it's very easy then for um, uh, whether it's journalists or politicians or whoever to kind of run with a story like this and create you know panic and fear mm-hmm. that might not that doesn't necessarily have a reason to exist. It's just kind of yeah. like an anti-China thing and so they're saying well here's what could happen you know same thing with the same thing with all these uh, you know telecom uh 
uh, warnings that we're seeing about from these Chinese made uh, these companies that are uh, Chinese companies that make these devices, you know, um, no specific threats, just the possibility of a threat because they're a possible enemy at times. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah there, and, and I can understand there are different threat levels and vulnerabilities at the same time. This to me seems like a much lower one in, in contrast. Actually, I did a, a pre-recorded uh, TV interview today. It's going to appear um, on NTD um, uh, television mm-hmm. l- later on today, and it'll be up next week as well um, on their prime television slot there. We're all talking all about uh, Huawei and how Huawei is the national security threat and how the FCC chairman here in the U.S. is now um, really kind of calling them out. And, and they haven't, what hasn't happened enough is they haven't removed the Huawei um, base station equipment and the infrastructure equipment for the, the big rapid 5G build out that's happening around the world. But especially here in the U.S., they called, they banned the use of Huawei equipment. This goes back really back into 2019. And, and they've spent already uh, a fair amount of money, I think about $1.5 billion, which is basically removing Huawei infrastructure, this 5G infrastructure, and installing replacement 5G infrastructure at the base stations. And this is for the likes of Nokia and Ericsson are getting the bulk of that, that type of business. And um, it's interesting because now they come up with a shortfall and say, hey, we need another approximately $3.5 billion to remove and replace all this Huawei gear, Mm. which was kind of alarming. It's turned out to be about three times as expensive to do all this as they thought. And yet after all these this time, this past two to three years of removing all the Huawei equipment, the ban on Huawei, guess who's still the largest infrastructure equipment and provider for 5G hardware around the globe? Huawei. Huawei. So they basically have the connection into the pipe. So if they so chose to, and they probably wouldn't, Huawei wouldn't do that. But if the Chinese government demanded and said, hey, you got to turn over or give us access to this data for whatever reason, they have to. They have to obey. Um, and that that's a, a challenging situation. What that means is all of our, our, our data and traffic and phone calls and all our metadata is going to probably go through uh, Huawei equipment. And, and der- part of the story was they, they discovered there's still Huawei equipment outside at, at the local cell towers outside of some missile silos and, and bases mm-hmm. out in the Midwest of the United States that haven't been updated yet. So those you would think over the past few years would have priority to rip out any uh, Huawei equipment where they potentially could eavesdrop and collect data and surveillance and spy because it is a much higher threat level there and it could affect national uh, security here. So I, I thought that's it's an interesting story how, again, it parallels just what you said. It's made in China. It's hardware in China, firmware in China, software in China, infrastructure equipment in China. I think as we keep going forward, there's going to be more and more focused efforts to um, ban China and, and hardware and, and kind of parallels even what we talked about not too long ago with some of the TikTok stuff. Mm-hmm. TikTok with, a, I forget, a, a billion or a billion and a half users actively, they're now actively trying to get it banned in the United States, not because the data... Uh, it was that the data wasn't being stored on U.S. servers and they were switching to store it on U.S. servers. 
But then they really found out that the third parties to TikTok that have access to APIs and um, the collection of information, when people opt out of it, they're not honoring it. They're still collecting it and still selling it and still using it for, but allegedly using it for wrongful purposes. And that's, a, again, mm-hmm. it all points back to where? China. Yep. And, you know, some of this falls along political lines, but a lot of it doesn't. And whenever I hear someone talk about China and they begin by saying China is our enemy, I always think, well, that's strange because I think of China as competition. I don't think of them as an enemy. And, you know, there's there's those two things can overlap, of course, but there, it's two distinct, also two distinct ways t- to look at it, you know, like mm-hmm. two companies, for instance, Apple and Google, you know, you don't, you could say they're enemies, but then you're really kind of, you know, per, almost personalizing it and making it into something it, it isn't, you know, they're, they're competing companies. And, mm-hmm. and so, yes, do they do dirty tricks every once in a while, or maybe they have marketing kind of campaigns against each other, or they try to undercut each other's price? Sure, but rarely is there espionage and theft and just kind of attacks. And I would say, you know, in the case of the U.S. and China, it's it's the same thing. Do we spy on them and do they spy on us? Sure, but I don't think it's a it's a regular ongoing thing that that's designed to lead, you know, the two, these two uh, superpowers into some kind of actual warfare to, or to come to blows, you know, it's just to keep an eye on each other. It's like, it's almost a form of, of marketing data and, and surveys, you know, you, you want to see how your competition is rising and falling based on what you do and based on kind of global economies as they shift. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just, uh, a, a, just another way, I guess, to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I just want to take a moment again, just to do a shout out. Thanks to our sponsor there, dark kryptonite, uh, dark kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more at their website, darkkryptonite.com. Well, maybe to to shift away from pointing the finger at China, we could shift over to Russia for a second. (laughs) All right. Um, Again, the Hacker News brings us this story here. Uh, Russian hackers trick Ukrainians to fake uh, distribute uh, denial of service uh, Android apps to target Russia. It's kind of a funny story when I read through this. Any standouts to you, Craig? Besides the fact they're not blaming China for something, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I it, it definitely reminds me of a, kind of a honeypot operation, you know. And, yeah. and for anyone that doesn't know what those are, usually they're set up by a, a large kind of entity, uh, you know, a, a government or maybe even a corporate entity will set up something, uh, kind of like a sting. Um, uh, a they'll set up a vulnerable server to lure in unsuspecting hackers and then they'll it's almost like capturing uh uh, credentials or proof of the bad guys coming in Uh, you know a a form of entrapment i would say but uh, you know electronic entrapment so it's different than our regular laws that involve uh entrapment but unfortunately this one this story it seemed to kind of be a reverse in terms of who I'd want to get caught and who I want mm. wouldn't because it was Russian forces 
setting you know setting up these ukrainian forces for um to to be kind of uh trapped in in this uh i guess sting operation uh that uh, led to malware and uh ddos attacks and uh, on those types of things um i don't know what uh what did you uh, uh get out of it um any other yeah, it kind of similar. It, it does seem like like I, I think it's a good analogy, a honeypot where you're trying to lure somebody in and kind of kind of fool them. And this was really the Russian hackers infecting. And I thought it was interesting targeting Android users, specifically creating an app that claimed it would launch a DDoS attack every time users tap the button. So they're kind of saying, yeah, I, I want to do, you know, do this and be active and, and, and stop yeah. this from a a standpoint of a, a cyber retaliation perhaps or whatever to, to really fool them. Um, and they do mention as the story goes on there that Russian Russian uh, attacks over 70 government websites in Ukraine on the night the invasion began and obviously much more since then. So this is really an ongoing story since day one, since the, the Russian invasion into Ukraine. And I think what's happening is to just keep trying different tactics and techniques to be effective in, in this cyber warfare that they're using here. And uh, certainly it is concerning. Again, we're not taking one political side or another, um, just looking at it from the aspect of, of cybersecurity. And it is concerning how powerful that can be against another country, as opposed to traditional bullets and bombs. Yep. It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's a it's a clever one, and I guess you can give them points for that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, you know. I think the the fact that they're using they're created and developed fake websites that look credible that work, the fact that there's X number of people that have downloaded the the app, um, you know, within within certain limits there, that there's actually efforts being made to use that. It, it tells you one side's fooling the other, and um, yeah, it's kind of scary. What will happen next? How far will these type of things go? Because uh, they're targeting all different types of group and um, really effectively, Russia is really going up against Ukraine all out. They just have not slowed up in, in any effort, at least from the, the cybersecurity perspective. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a shame. It's, gonna, it's a tit for tat. Uh, and this yeah. is just another example of that, which means we're not, uh, we're probably not close to the end yet of this conflict. I think when you get to this stage, it's going to be, you know, it's, this is the tit for instance, and then there's the tat and it's going to, it's yeah. going to be tit tat tit tat, you know, it's going to go back and forth could go yeah. on for months until, until there's something, uh, some kind of infrastructure or personnel or something is critically damaged uh or destroyed or violated uh you know it's going to keep continuing at this pace if you yeah. know if not accelerate more yeah and, and i guess prior to this i think toward the end of the article even talked about um R russia was specifically targeting and these are threat actors in russia and again is this state sponsored or not we really don't know that well but likely is because a lot of the, the large targets were these big giant energy companies in Ukraine. And, and when you think about it from that standpoint, it's not just taking computers offline or, 
or you know, to, to me, typically a distributed denial of service attack where you're flooding a website with junk traffic, it prevents you from accessing the website. Typically, mm-hmm. that's about as far as they're getting. So it's it's a denial of service type of thing. However, when now you're trying to hack and, and, and really cause disruption within the energy sector, critical infrastructure, that means people can't turn light switches on. That means motors can't spin. That means safety apparatus can't be employed. That means water can't be purified and, and, and um, you know, sewage plants treating um, wastewater properly and so on and so forth. That affects people's quality of life and, and, and lives in general. So it depends on what level of, if you look at this, it could be something as a, a simple little hack to a website, but what it leads to could be something more paralyzing that does in fact affect human lives. And that's where I mm-hmm. think the, the cyber warfare part really scares me where it is and where it's going and how powerful it is. Because is there anybody on this planet that's not using a smartphone, that's not connected to the internet in one fashion or another? Not many. Very, yeah. very few people. And that, and that uh, is something everybody needs to, to kind of think about. Yeah. And it also goes to show how just how much um, psychological warfare goes into cybersecurity. I mean, sure. this was, you know, a, uh, I guess a fake attack that Russia claimed ukrainian forces and and worldwide forces could make in order to overwhelm russian websites you know that's kind of the that's the motivation that's what's getting activists and um military personnel and other people anyone who wants to get involved and help the cause for the ukraine would see this um you know these fake apps uh and they would say i want to help and so you're you're kind of before people even think it's like their uh, their will to uh, help and aid others that they see as you know who are in in peril and need their help. So it's it's almost like all the you know the the goody goodies out there. We're going to trick them into trying to help some help this country for a cause, and in, in the meantime, uh, but actually we're you know gonna uh, install malware on their devices and hack hack them so there's so much kind of double crossing going on it sometimes mm-hmm. gets confusing oh sure yeah and, and i think this case as you, as you go through this article it does take you a minute to digest it a little bit because it's it, it kind of really i guess they use the word camouflage uh, using an app a camouflage so it looks like they're they're basically russia is fooling pro-Ukrainian hacktivists to launch a DDoS attack against Russian sites, mm-hmm. but it was really a setup. So that when you think about it, th- those in Russia are actually thinking ahead and saying, wow, there's a lot of people that are hacktivists out there and a lot of pro-Ukrainian people that want to join and support, but maybe they don't want to pick up a gun, but man, they'll get on a computer and start hacking Russia. So let's fool them. Let's let's make them think twice before they start going after us. In a sense, they're sending them a kind of a silent message here and causing just just chaos and disruption and problems. It's a it's a mess. And I guess you could kind of put that under the category of war or cyber war. That's exactly what happens. The rules kind of go out the window and mm-hmm. it's just mass chaos and problems. And, and the fallout is poor people that have to suffer through this mess. 
Yeah. And it makes you even question the definition of offense and the definition of defense, yeah. you know, because it's kind of both at the same time and yet it's neither. And it's very, yeah. it's odd. Yeah. It's at odds with one another. Very, very strange, but certainly an interesting story. And it's, it's sometimes it is nice to mix up when we analyze the, the different stories, everything from a, a gypsum company being hacked, GPS trackers being hacked coming from China. And now we've got the, the contrast here. Russia fooling pro-hacktivist Ukrainians. Um, it's nice to just cover a wide variety of topics on this show, and I always enjoy it, and uh, it makes for a nice discussion. And hopefully our listeners enjoy it too. And I've been talking to a lot of the listeners lately that enjoy this content and thank us for it. And so we're trying to keep it um, obviously tied to cybersecurity, <coughs> hence the name Cyber Coast to Coast, but also help help people realize it's not always the same story again and again it does affect our lives different age groups different socioeconomic groups different countries so it really spans the globe and that's what hopefully just these discussions do help you just think outside the box a little bit and understand a little bit more and hey if you if you pick up a tip or two during the show that's great and if you learn something that's great too and share it with somebody else and i think that's what's really important so Knowledge becomes very powerful when we can help other people learn and especially to stay safe against against the bad guys. Um, yeah. Well, as we wrap up here, Craig, I want to just mention a, a thank you again. Shout out to our sponsor, Dark Crypto Ransomware, Malware and Phishing in Their Tracks, Eliminating Cybercrime Fraud and Information Warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more at their website, darkkryptonite.com and kryptonite with a C. And as a reminder to our loyal listeners, we want to thank you and mention that this podcast, it's available on YouTube, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, and more. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, review our podcast. We'd like to hear from you. And for questions and comments, you could DM us on Twitter. Feel free. I, I will respond at Scott BVS, or you could visit scottshober.com for more information. And as always, if we read any of your comments or share a story or a question on our podcast, we send you a choice of any signed copy of our books, Hacked Again, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business or Senior Cyber. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week for another episode packed with cyber news tips and different ways that you can stay safe. I'm signing off here from the East Coast from a touch in New Jersey. This is Scott Schober. And signing out from Long Beach, California, this is Craig Schober. Everybody stay safe. Bye.